Every, every community is on a spectrum and we've got to, every community is on a spectrum, every company is on a spectrum, right. and we've got to come to grips with wherever we are on that spectrum with the sole purpose of wherever we are on that spectrum, trying to improve, trying yeah. to improve, trying to improve. That was Jeff Harrison, president and CEO of Citizens Energy Group, talking about how corporate executives can implement diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives that benefit their organizations, their employees, and their communities. And this is IBJ's The Freedom Forum with Angela B. Freeman. So Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the 14th episode of the Freedom Forum podcast with myself, Angela B. Freeman. We are so excited to have you here. And before we get started, will you please tell our listeners a bit about you, your educational and professional background, and any other factors that led to you becoming a long-term corporate executive of one of Indiana's largest utilities, Citizens Energy Group? Well, thank you very much, Angela, first of all, for having me here today. I sincerely appreciate it. And, you know, um, I've got, I think, a common story uh, that many have. I was born in, in Southern Indiana, so Hoosier. Okay. Um, been a Hoosier all my life and born in Southern Southern Indiana. Come from a family of six um, from Jeffersonville, Indiana. Yeah. Father was a bricklayer back in the 60s and 70s, a little bit of a hard time back then for for uh, for a black man, but um, he, he made it. And then um, for, for the most part, grew up uh, working for my father it was a, as a hod carrier, so hod carrier does everything except except uh, lay the block or lay the brick, mm. and uh, did that in the summers with my father. Um, grew up and was a pretty good student uh, in school. Played played basketball, ran track, played football, and then my high school guidance counselor pulled me aside, and I was ranked fairly high in my class. Uh, I was I believe I was around thirty third out of out of five hundred or so, and she said, "I think you could go to." Um, on to engineering school and go to Rose Holman. And I said, okay, but who is she? And so um, went on to Rose after my father and my guidance counselor then with their encouragement, then finished up my uh, degree after Jeffersonville High School, went on to Rose and got an uh, electrical engineering degree, yeah. um, Bachelor of Science in, in engineering. And then um, from there came to Indianapolis. And so I've been here, made, it a, made a family here. I've got two boys. Um, one actually is a legacy, graduated from Rose Holman as well. Mm. He is, uh, he's working as a mechanical engineer. And then I've got another uh, son who is at the University of Michigan, who's an industrial operations engineering major. So, mm. so a lot going on. Um, and, and just a little bit about me. Love Citizens Energy Group. I loved Indianapolis uh, as well when I got out of school. And so I've uh, been here ever since. So you clearly have a STEM background and you, you may not appreciate, but I also am a biologist by training. So I've always said that um, STEM really gives you those analytical and critical thinking skills that helps you in any area. So I'd like to know what got you involved um, with electrical engineering specifically, particularly when you had worked as a bricklayer or with your dad as a bricklayer. So what kind of drove you to the STEM facets? And then when did you learn that you were truly interested in STEM? And more thankfully to that counselor, what convinced you that you'd have a real opportunity in STEM? Of course, you know, the counselor indicated that, hey, you should go to Rose. But when was it that you really believed for yourself Okay, I can really make something happen with this degree. Right. So, so I think you know when I, when I got started, I was I was young, very always curious, and and again, I think we all 
uh, we all aspire to our parents. And sure. so, you know, my father was a bricklayer, so I wanted to be a bricklayer. My mother um, stayed home with us. Uh, my mom passed away very early on. So my father was really that, that role model wow. for me. And so, um, uh, uh, but as I got more exposed and, and really from an educational standpoint, learned a lot about at the time the very early uh, version of, of a computer yeah and I, I very distinctly remember in high school when then it was only a keyboard and had that roll of paper this the, the millennials are going what is he talking about right now? <laughs> but it had a roll of paper out of the back of that that keyboard and and it asked us a bunch of questions what's your name name a city name an animal and then this thing just took off by itself and started telling me, start, just started typing a story out. And I thought that was the neatest thing I'd ever seen right. in my entire life. And so that, that, that was the beginning. And then um, talking to my guidance counselor again, I took some, um, some electrical wiring uh, courses. Sure. And so learned how to wire a house and wire breakers. And, and that, even, that, that fascinated me even more. I was already pretty good at math. And so that combination then is something that, again, my high school guidance counselor, who, who really, in this instance, it was an outside influence. And I think for many, many, especially black families, that, that's gonna, that needs to happen in right. order to, as, I, as, as many say, change your stars. And that really helped to change my stars, her outside influence. She saw something in me. And then that combination then propelled me to go on to Rose Holman. And there was that, that constant interest um, that I had as I was going through school, forever being challenged. And then, and then once I got out of Rose, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the first thing um, I was able to do was, I think maybe because of my, my, my upbringing and my background, was really take very complex issues and distill them down into, into a manner that others could understand. Right. And that was something that I think uh, helped me early on. And then I think leaders then saw that. Many leaders did not have, as you talked about, that technical uh, foundation or background. And and so they, they they would like someone like me to come in and help explain things like that. And so that then propelled me um, to get my MBA, my master's in business administration from IU. Yeah. That combination of a, of, a, of a technical background with a, with a business uh, mindset as well really has, has proven to be a great combination. I think it's even a great uh, combination for young people um, even, even today. From, from a leadership standpoint, again, I think others saw in me that, that I really just treated everyone um, the same and tried to do the right thing. There was, there was some hard work. Um, there, was there was also some, some trial uh, tribulations. There were people who would challenge me as, a, as, as my bosses would do that. I would, I would meet that, that challenge and exceed it. And then you'd, you'd begin to, to get more trusted and, and, and more confidence placed on you and then move up. So yeah. that's what happened. You, you mentioned, again, I'm going to go back to your father being a bricklayer and your mother being a stay-at-home mother. My mom mm -hmm. was a stay-at-home mm -hmm. mom as well. So I can fully appreciate that. And certainly as you have transitioned into corporate leadership, mm -hmm. I'm sure, you know, you mentioned your mom passed away and I, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, but you. I'm sure your, your father is very proud of the fact that you've been able to ascend in the corporate environment. I, I know for myself that the role we currently play are roles that our parents never imagined we would be mm -hmm. able to fill those roles. But unquestionably, even in, although you... And and I have been very successful. There are 
challenges. Mm -hmm. You mentioned some trials and tribulations. Mm -hmm. And so I'd like to ask you specifically about being a diverse man mm -hmm. in those business settings and corporate leadership roles, particularly in Indiana and Kentucky mm -hmm. and, and even across the world. Share with us some of those challenges mm -hmm. that you experienced early on as you began to ascend up the food chain and how you navigated those in a way that allowed you to continue to mm -hmm. ascend in a way that put you on a platform for others to see, wow, that is possible mm -hmm. and you can make it all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some of the things you experienced. Sure. You know, and, and first, I always I always start out by by helping others understand I had no idea I was going to be a CEO someday. I mean, sure. you, you don't start off. I did not at least start off that way. But but I can tell you that that for me, there 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 were times that were pivotal moments sure. in your in your career. And so, for example, as a young engineer, um, I was told by a supervisor that I would never even ascend to the to the level of of, of supervisor. Yeah. And so you you get upset, you get angry, um, you get mad, and then you have to do some self reflection right. and ask yourself, you know, is there something um, that that is precluding me from 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 ascending? And so um, you go back the next day and you, and you go right to that person who said that to you and ask them, what what do you believe? Um, would preclude me from rising at that point in time to the level of, level of supervisor, and then you begin to work on those on those skills. So I think I think perseverance is is one. Don't let anyone tell you what you can't do. It's yeah. just, not, and I've got so many examples there um, that that it's just it's just that's just not the right the right psyche. We're able to do whatever we want. And then, and then again, I think for me, at so many times in my in my career, there were so many. Um, friends and mentors and allies that that helped me in so many ways and it's it's one of those those driving factors i think that that helps me even today really participate even more in, in our community i i feel like i i owe our community i i owe it i have to pay it forward and, and do for others what was done for me when i was when i was younger but but I, but i think again you know for me as a as a as a minority black man in, in here in, in the city and as a ceo now as i look back it was it was those elements that really helped propel me and and and, and understand there there was there was hard work um there were there was a presentation when presentations would come up i would i would study 24/7 yeah. for that presentation i would i would i would go through my presentation and then i would place myself in the in the audience yeah, yeah. Uh, as well and then begin to ask myself what questions could i ask ask the presenter myself and and then begin to really flesh out my presentation to again this this uh, uh, primarily at the time um, white uh, leadership team. This was when I when I worked for um, AES Indiana, what is now AES Indiana, and so I think that that then those presentations really helped propel me. Um, the, the 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 leadership team at the time saw again that the the technical skill, they saw the business side, and then again saw someone that they they felt comfortable with and they wanted around the table to help them understand and help them really simplify complex issues and problems down so that they could make a decision on that yeah. on that issue or problem. So those were some elements that that helped me. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Um, being a person uh, in STEM myself, I've done those presentations where 
particularly in the technical field, mm -hmm. you're always presenting to people who you know no more than right. you, right? Which right. can be very intimidating. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you prepare yourself oh, for yes. the hard questions right. and the questions that may come from a very mm -hmm. um, knowledgeable audience. So I can really appreciate. One thing I heard from you is that, you know, your supervisor or manager at the time told you you're never going to make it to that to a supervisory role. And you took that, took the emotions with it, but you didn't just negate the feedback, right? right. You used that mm -hmm. and said, okay, what do you see that I need to work on? Right. So you didn't just get upset and emotional and say, okay, he doesn't know what he's talking mm -hmm. about, but you allowed him to direct you mm -hmm. into, okay, what do I need to work on? What can I do better? What what gaps do you see? And right. I think that's really, really great because I think sometimes we do get caught up in the emotion mm -hmm. of it and just completely negate the feedback when there may be valuable right. feedback. There may be mm -hmm. real things that won't preclude us from getting to the next level, but can certainly be challenges or barriers that if we can address proactively, we kind of limit that from uh, limiting us to the next level. And I, I appreciate that because I think so oftentimes um, diverse candidates get caught up in the emotion, but don't appreciate the gift of right. the feedback. Oftentimes, because it doesn't come in a way mm -hmm. that we can really accept, but there is a gift or a nugget there. And I think that's really, really good um, advice for diverse candidates, corporate business leaders who are looking to ascend the role and are often getting feedback that they don't necessarily appreciate or even align with. One thing I appreciate about you is you are literally one of the most long-standing diverse corporate leaders. In other words, we, there are several diverse corporate leaders in century, Central Indiana and Indiana corporations, but oftentimes they're in that role for two or three years mm -hmm. and then they move on to mm -hmm. the next company or, you know, shifts happen, mergers happen, acquisitions, et cetera. You've been in this role for quite a long time. And so that, in my view, gives you a very unique vantage point in how diversity, equity, and inclusion, its acceptance, its implementation has really occurred in the Indiana setting over the course of years. Mm -hmm. In other words, this isn't new. We've been talking about this for many, many years, but you're probably one of the few leaders who sat in your position long enough to see the kind of transition. So I'd like to know from that vantage point, what have you seen have been areas where Indiana has really stepped up and made great transitions and great changes and where we're still kind of struggling and need to step up, particularly as we compare ourselves to sister cities mm -hmm. who are all um, competing for top talent, top diverse talent at, and um, recruiting that talent to their city and keeping them in their city. Yeah. You know, you, you bring up some some really good points and that's a great question. I think, you know, um, for, for, for our community, I think our... It, we're still evolving, sure. I would say, as a community. Um, I think we are competing against Atlanta, against Chicago, against some other um, communities. And, and we need to continue to try to be even more welcoming to, uh, to, to black uh, members in our community and other, other minorities. And, and I think in the, recent, in, in the most recent years, especially with the death of George Floyd, sure. Jared Taylor, um, there has been um, an increase in, in, in terms of desire. I think you've seen individuals who were standing quietly on the sidelines are now beginning to step into the, into the limelight. 
Um, but I, but I, for, for me personally, I'd like to thank my board who actually selected me to become um, the 10th president uh, and CEO of, of, of Citizens Energy Group. They had that faith. They had that confidence in me. Um, so, so thank you to them. And, and then I, I think from there as a, as a, as a black CEO, you know, you know, I see that, that we're trying to grow right now and, and, and we'll talk about that, uh, hopefully in, in just a bit as a community there, there again is, a, I, th- I think I've seen the strongest desire that I've ever seen since I've been here, um, back in the, in the early nineties, um, I've seen the strongest desire for, for true change and improvement in yeah. terms of, of leadership. I think we're starting to delve into more data and information and understanding um, the black community more and, and other minorities. Um, I think that that push is, I think our, our, our greatest um, success for a push is, is now. And, and, and there are some things that I think we're doing as a community that are helping us improve. And, and I think Every, every community is on a spectrum and we've got to, every community is on a spectrum. Every company is on a spectrum right. and we've got to come to grips with wherever we are on that spectrum with the sole purpose of wherever we are on that spectrum, trying to improve, mm-hmm. trying to improve, trying to improve. And so um, that's something that I, uh, when I hear others talk about where they are from a community standpoint, um, we had Louisville come in, uh, greater, the greater Louisville uh, community come in and ask us questions about how we were performing so well. Uh, well, we don't think we're performing that well. But again, on, from a spectrum standpoint, on that sure. spectrum again, um, they believe that we're we're further on that spec, further ahead on that spectrum than they are. And so, um, again, I think, but I think we can we need to continue to perform um, as a community um, and and improve there. And, and and I think we are. I think we are in the process of of improving right now. Yeah, so, yeah. So as a, a black CEO, how have you personally navigated your own authenticity when you're on a yeah. platform? All eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. You're calling the shots, but still being true to those values that sure. your dad laid in you mm-hmm. literally <laughs> back in the day, mm-hmm. making sure that your corporate stances align mm-hmm. with your personal values. Yeah. How do you continue to make sure that those things stand in alignment when I'm sure there are pressures mm-hmm. from every side to, you know, drive business, right. generate revenue, you know, all the things that corporations sure. are made of, but still do so in a way that rings true for your uh, employees, the people mm-hmm. who work with you, the people who work for you and the community who looks right. up to you. Right. You know, I, th- I think, you know, there it's, it's really, it's really, it, you're, you're grounded in who you are yeah. and, and, you know, you, you bring up my mother, bring up my father and they helped, they helped ground me. And I've got extended family members as well. My sisters, uh, uh, who also, uh, helped, help ground me. And so being transparent, being honest, being open, um, being genuine, you, you know, I can, I can present into my board in a boardroom, which will happen here fairly next week. Um, as, and, and, and at the same time I can, I can, Go out in the community and and sit down and, at the YMCA and have a conversation with with someone who knows, who has no idea who I am, sure. and just sit and talk and have 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 coffee. And I think that that comes from my upbringing and working uh, in, in, on crews with my father. And 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 I think again, that's what meeting people where they are is what is what we all want. Sure. And so where do you where are you where do you you know I don't want to talk over someone. I don't want to talk under someone uh, at times. And so even with our employees, listening to what they need is something that that is important um, and and right now again going back to our prior topic um all of our employees and, and i've talked with other leaders as well all of our employees are looking for us to improve as an organization i'd say we're, as organizations we're seeing this this very tough job market right now with 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 the great resignation and 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 employees jumping companies left and right from their living room 
and making right. you know two times their 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 current income income and and not even getting out of their their office chair in their home and i think from from that standpoint we have to listen uh, again uh, now but but i think that as well is 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 something that i've i've done in trying to listen to our employees and we're hearing that from our employees today that resonates and and connects with me as well with respect to what I think is is right for the community, and there are a lot of pressures, but ultimately it comes down to what what we what we think is right, what's right for our community, and then make it making decisions based on that. and And we do that every day um, yeah. at, at Citizens. One of our core values at Citizens is is in fact um, diversity, and so this is this is a, a core value that was championed even before me. I, I had a great uh, predecessor in this respect, uh, who happened to be a white white man. Who who championed um, diversity and just laid some great foundation um, at the organization that I could then step into and then just continue uh, continue with um, even even today. So so Jeff, as you talk about how you've been able to listen to your employees, how has their influence influenced you and your own personal experiences to continue to elevate DNI practices at Citizens? So based on that foundation that your predecessor mm-hmm. has laid and what you've continued to do. Can you speak to us about what specific initiatives or programs that Citizens has implemented to ensure that, you know, not only their workplace mm-hmm. employees and their culture are open and inclusive, but also to ensure that underserved and marginalized communities in the greater central Indiana and Indianapolis mm-hmm. geographic area have equitable and fair access to utility service, sure. which is also, you know, of concern. It is. It is. And, and you know, first and foremost, from a, an employee standpoint, um, we focus on on hiring uh, first and foremost, hiring and promotion. So that's where it all starts. And so we're looking to make sure that, again, our, our goal is to is to mirror the community um, completely. And when we talk about diversity, we talk about diversity in the purest sense of the word. That's racial divest- diverse, diversity, gender uh, diversity, um, just geographic diversity. Where are you from? Sure. Thought diversity. Um, really, truly, in the in the truest sense of the word, and so we really try to bring in individuals um, that are that are truly versed with a goal again of trying to to mirror um, our community. Once they're in our organization, then there's a lot of of training that 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 that, that takes place. And so, um, when you're a brand new employee coming in, there's there's you get initial diversity training as part of your part of the volley of of online of online and and in person training. Um, that you have online more so now and uh, during during this virtual hybrid environment, but that's that's uh, another another portion. And then and then once you're here um, and you've got that, then we're also looking um, to then reach out in the community and volunteerism. And so we ask our employees mm. um, to volunteer. One of my favorite uh, volunteer uh, days is is our sharing the dream uh, to honor the the life and legacy of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And so that's where we go out in the community nine times out of ten into a, into a park that is has been um, underappreciated over the past years, and we look to refurbish um, that that uh, that park. Uh, again, looking at parks as community assets to right. those uh, typically again low income neighborhoods that where young people can come and play basketball and 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 learn uh, and and grow and see their friends and swim and 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 do the things I think that that again some of these some of these uh, low income communities need uh, absent again some some injection of of some assistance and, and help. Then we also look at at com- other community investment through philanthropy. So we're sure. looking to help understand how we can improve our community th- with our 
with our philanthropy dollars. And so trying to grow there. With supplier diversity, we're also looking at how we can also look from the business side of the equation and looking at how we can improve um, our minority spend. So we have goals at Citizens, um, 15, 15%, 18%, and 3% for minority women and veteran-owned businesses trying to improve, again, those individuals in those categories in, in, in terms of their, their participation um, um, with Citizens Energy Group. And then finally, you, you know, you talked about those, those, um, uh, those that are less fortunate, those that are living in poverty. And I believe, you know, we have in, in central Indiana here, a number around 200,000 people or so living at or below the level of, 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 of poverty, the federal level of poverty. And if we were to put all those people in, in together, they would be the second largest, I believe, city in the, in the state of Indiana. Wow. Um, so, so we have a large population right here. And so um, we're looking at trying to help them with respect to discounts on their bill. Um, we have our, our Warm Heart, Warm Home Foundation, where those low-income individuals can, can apply and receive funds for, for assistance with their, with their bills as well, and a lot, of, a lot more low-income um, programs. We, we were the first in the state, I believe, on the water side to provide um, a low-income sus- customer assistance program to help, again, uh, low-income customers um, pay their bills. We, we understand that our, our utilities are, are critical utility infrastructure, water, uh, wastewater, natural gas, right. and we understand that, that the role that we play. And so we want to make sure that all of our customers have have access one way or another. That's excellent. And it's, it's heartening to know that, you know, we have someone at your level that has that kind of um, laser focus on the community and the needs of the community. Mm-hmm. That's very important. So I, I'd like to go back. The Freedom Forum would like to send out recognition and appreciation to our Latinx and Hispanic communities across Indiana as we celebrate their contributions to our community and corporate cultures during this 2022 Hispanic Heritage Month. Now, let's take a quick break. Get caught up on the state's top business news every business day with the Inside Indiana Business Radio On Demand podcast. Available now at InsideIndianaBusiness.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To go back and visit your experience again in the C-suite as a corporate leader and in, 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 in a position that most of us will never have the opportunity to really mm. sit in. And in that role, I would expect that you often have a lot of opportunities to talk with other major leaders in the city or the state about, you know, economic development, how the city or Indiana as a state can, you know, continue to drive investment for uh, economic gains. But as we do that, you know, I expect that diversity, equity, and inclusion are major drivers of so, some of those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so what I would ask you is, as you speak to other corporate leaders who may or may not be diverse, what do you hear, you know, amongst those leaders about the challenges that they are facing in really implementing DEI practices in some of our Hoosier businesses in a way that really does make a difference. In other words, certainly as diverse people, I think we have just some inherency that goes with our belief 
and support of DNI practices. But I fully recognize that that is not everybody's vantage point. That's not everybody's stance. And I, I also believe that that also drives some hesitation and resistance to truly getting actionable around some of these topics and issues. So as you have some conversations with other corporate leaders who are in a position to implement DEI practice, but just haven't completely been sold, aren't convinced, or just resistant. What what are those conversations? How do you help influence them to um, persuade them that this is the way of the future, that Indiana's growth and continued economic stability and sustainability is tied at least in a portion to how we do and successfully do diversity, equity, inclusion with regard to recruitment, retention, advancement, et cetera. Right. And, and you know, in having those conversations, I'll add one more, and I refer to it as JEDI, so justice, equity, diversity, and, and inclusion. So it's, sure. it's more than just our businesses. We have to also, I think, be involved in the justice side of things. And we, we can only do so much, I think, as, as business leaders, but, but we have to be paying attention there as well. But, right. but I think, you know, I'll go back to the procurement uh, element. And, and that's one where, you know, with, with some, you'll hear concerns about um, my, uh, a black business or minority business charging more or not being able to perform um, the best work. And, and, and so, you know, looking at our, uh, our, our performance there, I use that as an example of how that just isn't true. Um, we can, we can, I can, I can share with you and, and put you in contact with our procurement leaders on, on how we go about um, involving our, our diverse businesses. And I'll admit, again, we're on that spectrum. As I talked about earlier, we're not perfect, but we're definitely trying to make sure that we improve from our current, current position. And so, you know, this this includes things like mentoring some some smaller business, and so and so they may start out um, at a very small level, and they may need to grow. There may be some some small failures there, and so rather than letting them go, instead, let's continue to mentor sure. that small business, and let's give them a, a, a let's let's give them some constructive feedback, as we talked about earlier, and see how they respond. Sure. And then, uh, if they respond well, let's let's award them another. Uh, an, a larger project and continue to move there. And there's one uh, one company in particular. I met their their CEO, uh, minority gentleman, who walked up to me at a at a speaking engagement and just thanked me for uh, having faith and thanked Citizens Energy Group for having faith in his organization. And I responded to him, you know, look, I know our program, so I not only have faith in you, you've proven to our team right. that you can perform this work. And I don't know the details. I don't need to, but the fact that you're, you've, you've been right. with us for three years tells a story to me um, that that you've grown and and that and that we've grown with you. And so, I think that's one fallacy that 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 exists. That uh, again, some of these minority businesses need need a chance, and they they may need to be handled a little bit differently. So, for another example would be, um, they may need a two or three year agreement rather than a one to to again be able to pay back a loan for equipment or or or, or those types of things. It'll need to ex- extend over a number. Of years, um, that's one element, and then I think you know there are there are also those individuals who just quite honestly don't understand uh, again the the various markets around how to hire some of these these minority these these uh, minority candidates, and again we're we're trying to 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 improve that. So part of it, quite honestly, is about education. Sure, and 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 so there's there's a huge effort now. Um, around trying to educate some some businesses on on what to do, and so we're looking at getting some programs in place, and then allowing companies to sign up and learn and grow 
um, with those programs as well. So on my last podcast episode, I spoke with Rafael Sanchez, who talked a bit about corporate authenticity, the reality or uh, that, you know, certainly each of us as individuals, particularly diverse individuals in a corporate setting, have to have our own individual Mm -hmm. authenticity and feel valued and feel like we can be our full selves in our corporate environments. But he also talked about corporate authenticity, meaning the corporation also has to be authentic Mm -hmm. and has to recognize where they have had challenges Mm -hmm. in these areas, where they can improve and And having real conversations with their employees, their work culture, about their work culture and the community about how that authenticity for their corporation has evolved. You mentioned earlier, it's kind of an evolution. So when you think about corporate authenticity with respect to citizens, how would you describe citizens' corporate authenticity? What is it that you as a company um, make sure that you convey, you mentioned that diversity is one of your core values. So how does that authenticity get conveyed internally and externally? Yeah. You, you know, I think um, for, for, the, for, for Citizens Energy Group, one of the things that we focus on, again, is really the community. We are very focused sure. on um, our, our community and participation then in the community. So we're involved in, in a number of things. I, I indicated sharing the, gra- the dream earlier uh, in early January. There are a number of other events that we participate in 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 central indiana to to help our employees understand and i and, and i think it conveys that that we, we're we're here we're, we're providing um critical services to our community but we also need to volunteer and help those in in our community and so and that that even that even uh travels down to each individual project that we might we might do so um, i'll take a rock ramp project that was built near riverside here just recently um, there was a dam that failed there um, we had a number of options that we wanted to uh, effect, uh, effectuate to repair that dam. Um, but instead of, of just looking inward, um, it was near a low-income uh, neighborhood. We had a number of neighborhood meetings asking the neighbors themselves, what, what, what would you like to see? Now, we're not making any promises here. Right, right. But, but we want to make sure that we have your, your input so that when we come back with this structure that's going to meet our business need, we also want to see if there's a way that we can also meet a community need sure. here, here as well. So from a, from a, from a corporate standpoint and, and talking about, again, authenticity, I think that's one of our, our focal points as, as Citizens Energy Group. We're constantly focused on our community. Even more so, again, given, as I, as I stated earlier, our low-income customer base. Here we've got low-income customers. We also have businesses and, and, and other residents, but, but businesses who are competing sometimes locally, regionally, statewide, nationally, internationally. We also have to provide value to those, to sure. those organizations as well. And so having low-cost utilities is a North Star for us because we need to understand that not only are we we meeting the needs of, of of low income members in our community, but also looking at other businesses that are competing as well. I was when we when we go in to to raise our rates, there's a, there's a huge process to, that's that's required to raise rates for utilities in the state of Indiana, and oftentimes there are um, there are there are community meetings where the community gets invited in. They get to sit in front of the regulatory body to understand. And, and speak about what about an upcoming increase rate increase for for utility services and I'm oftentimes oftentimes I'll hear from a from a black family or a Hispanic family or another minority family how they just cannot afford it they cannot afford another dollar and so it's it's very um 
it's very educational um, to again remind us and, and staff attends as well right. help us help remind us what our community is about but i'd say that's what our what, what our organization is is focused on is is truly our community and again we do that in a number of different ways other than providing utility services and since we're talking about community and have kind of shifted to that focus mm-hmm. i'd like to talk to you about some of the work you're doing in the communities particularly i i appreciate that you're the chair of the Business Equity for Indy, Mm -hmm. which is a collaborative initiative with several organizations, CICP, the Indy Chamber, and the Indianapolis Urban League. I'd like you to please explain to us what this initiative is about and how its members are working to support greater diversity, equity, and inclusion for all of Indiana businesses. Yeah. So as you state, you know, BEI is a joint effort between the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, the Indy Chamber, in collaboration with the Indianapolis Urban League. And, and as we talked about earlier, forming BEI was motivated, again, by those, those deaths of George Floyd, um, Breonna Taylor, and, and others. And, and really, the business community uh, was abuzz. There were a number of conversations um, by a number of individuals asking the simple question, what can or what should yeah. the business community do about this about this issue? How can we participate, as we talked about earlier, in improving our community? And again, there was a sense of sense of urgency that was created not only here, but we're seeing it again across, I think, uh, across America. And so, with that sense of urgency, um, now there's a collection of approximately 150 Central Indiana business leaders. Uh, coming together to form BEI with the mission to drive racial equity and economic opportunity across uh, central Indiana. And the, the, to guide our efforts, we're, as I stated earlier, we're digging in demographic data and learning from the life experiences of Black people and Black residents. We've formed now um, ta- five task forces to really uh, drill down uh, in, in these five focus focus areas. And thus far, we have a task force that's focused on hiring and promotion. We talked about that mm-hmm. um, just a little earlier. And a task force focused on procurement and participation. A third task force focused on learning and talent. Uh, and then a fourth task force focused on impediments to health. And then finally, as we talked about earlier, that that justice uh, portion yeah. of, of, of this effort, um, a, a task force focused on public policy. And uh, again, I think these organizations are, are collaborating um, to, again, try to improve the economic participation of all, um, not only black people, but other peoples of color sure. here in, in, in central Indiana. And, and, and in so doing, we believe, again, that, that our, our, our community will be improved as we, uh, along that spectrum that I talked about earlier. I think that's so necessary. And I appreciate that. So many of our business leaders in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and so many others felt the need to get active, Mm -hmm. right, and get Mm -hmm. actionable and really put thought around what influence they could hold in this city in order to help move us closer to where we'd like to be as a city and as a state. Now, one, I'd like to touch on this justice piece. You've Mm -hmm. mentioned justice, and I've had these conversations previously because I do think as much as we try to avoid it, and I certainly try to avoid it because the political landscape Mm -hmm. is real, real crazy to me right now. Um, But there is this kind of public policy and justice piece that I do think has a DE&I lens 
wins, unquestionably. That isn't all about criminal justice necessarily, right? That there is a justice piece that is um, aligned with the business initiatives and the business side. And so when you talk about justice, you mentioned JEDI earlier with respect to citizens and business equity for Indy. What do you think about? What are some of the focuses for that public policy initiative that you all have at least discussed? Sure. I think, you know, just, just I'll say in general, I think from a public policy standpoint, we want to make sure that laws uh, that are that are being discussed um, and, and legislation being discussed isn't does does not have a disparate impact right. on, on 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 minorities in, in, in our community. Um, and so I, 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 I'd sum it up primarily that way. And, and you know, there, there, there are some examples, critical race theory. Um, I think, you know, critical race theory has nothing to do, teaching history has nothing to do. And, and I think nine times out of 10, uh, most can barely define critical. But here it came up again, I think, as, a, as an issue in the legislature here um, just recently. Um, luckily, there's, there's not been any action. Will it go away? I don't know. But that's something that, again, we will continue to monitor um, at BEI, and and again, I think as individual organizations um, as well, to try to understand um, what what impact that could have um, with respect to to our community. Um, and again, I think in, in that instance could push against um, uh, any progress that could be made around justice um, in, in in our community. But that that's one example that I'll I'll throw out um, as something that that again I think if it would have been um, effectuated. Could have had a disparate impact. Yeah. Um, I think on on not only uh, minority individuals in our community, but also the majority um, in terms of not understanding elements of our history that are relevant. Um, that I think are, are relevant even even today. And Jeff, are you all having conversations not just about the disparate impact that you know some of these legislative avenues can have on the minority or, or uh, diverse populations here in the city or mm-hmm. in the state, but also on recruiting minority yes. and diverse talent yes. to the state? Absolutely, those conversations are, are absolutely taking place as well. The, the laws and, and rules that we make here impact us. Um, across the, the 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 country and, and internationally, and we've seen that happen historically. Yeah. Um, and, and so we have to be mindful and and, uh, and understand. Just just take all that into account uh, and understand that that again, we, we could be less inviting or more inviting. Right. And and as we talked about earlier, I, I think from a minority standpoint, um, we've already got some we've got got some work to do. Yeah. And and I think um, we're focused on that. Uh, I think today today more than ever. Um, but but still have acknowledged that we have some work we have some work to do. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff, as we wrap up, I'd like to ask you two closing questions. One, from your vantage point as a long-term diverse leader of a major utility in Indianapolis, what would you advise other corporate leaders in the city or state to do, begin doing, stop doing in mm-hmm. order to progress DEI in whatever capacity they can? And then finally, what tips or tools or resources would you suggest any Indiana leader who's serious about recruiting, hiring, retaining, or promoting diverse talent within their ranks to take or, again, stop doing mm-hmm. if their goal is to advance DE&I for yeah. their organization? Yeah, good, good questions. And, you know, I think um, one of the things that, that we've, we've done and I've done uh, at Citizens and at our, at our organization and would ask others to do is to do some future casting. Yeah. So envision a future where 
there is a more equitable environment for all participants and all members of our of our community to participate in, in the economic uh, vitality of our society. What does that look like? And then begin to take steps backward to today to understand those those actions that need to take place in order for that future uh, to come to come to fruition. Um, I, I think that's going to nine times out of ten involve collaboration, which which is which is what BEI is all about. Right. Uh, individually, each of us are doing. Uh, and, and and have programs in place to try to help improve in a, in a number of different areas in, in the black community, in the Hispanic or Latino community, sure. Latinx community. And we're all trying to improve, but what if we could pull right. ourselves together and, and be more synergistic around certain elements, around certain programs? Um, that's what we're looking to do and, and, and in some cases have done and will continue. And I'll talk about uh, an answer to, a, to your second question here in a moment. Um, with 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 BEI, and so those are two that I would I would I would say to to, to start with. I think in terms of um, understanding uh, some of the two to three tools or tips, sure. I, I'd, I'd say start early. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some work done. I talked about data mining and 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 delving into into information. Um, we have very few minorities to begin with, and, um, and the, the the data shows that very few minorities matriculate through high school all the way through college and stay in our our state um, and so we're starting with an even smaller po- smaller pool than than we would like and so trying to start early and 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 reaching out to those individuals high school um, maybe even middle school i think is is um is something that we need to understand and, and then also um for for corporate programs and this is something that one of our teams um has, is recommending is look at some benefits that not only benefit uh, employees uh, that are working for us currently. So if I've got a minority uh, a custodian who wants to uh, go back to school, I think that's a great program. Most companies do that. But but an extension of that would then be, what can we do to help their children? Right. What should we do to help their children uh, continue their education and grow? And so um, there might be some work around, uh, I'd say we need to explore some benefits there again, uh, uh, with respect to that second generation of of the minority that we might be able to improve and 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 help, um, then then I, I'd also ask corporations in, in Central Indiana to to look at the Good Wages program, which is really a, a program that is targeting eighteen dollars an hour as the minimum wage within our organizations and. And, and I think, again, uh, that economic boost to families, regardless of their job within your organization, um, is going to go a long way. Again, to, now there are, some, there are some other issues associated with that, but I think that will go a long way towards helping, again, um, improve our position along that spectrum that I talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah, that that's really great. So, Jeff, my final question for you, as going back to your electrical engineering days, your technical background, you've mentioned it a few times, but I just want to drive this point because I think there are so many DE&I initiatives in our current organizations that are not data driven. They are more kind of emotional. What do we think we can do, but not necessarily data driven? How important is it for data to drive the 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 direction of your DEI initiative? You've talked about data. You mm-hmm. said it a couple mm-hmm. times, but I think that is a miss for a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. So I just like to for you to hearken on the importance of allowing the data to drive the decision making with regard to DEI. Yeah, I think that's a great question, and you know, I think it's the lens that from a business perspective, all business leaders uh, we. we look through that what gets measured gets managed right and and so i think measuring 
our, our progress is something that's paramount. So at, at BEI, we're looking at coming up with a, a scorecard that will do exactly that. So how do we know that year over year, at least you know every two years, this that we, we didn't get here overnight, and so we won't pro- solve this problem overnight. We right. understand that, but we still want to make sure that we're making incremental progress. And so I think data is extremely critical in understanding where, where we are currently and understanding what efforts, what actions then move us forward and move us along the, uh, positively along that that spectrum to improve um, to improve ourselves. And so, uh, again, I think the data that was presented um, uh, it's been a been a few months now regarding the the pool of of, of black uh, members here in our community is is something that everyone needed to know. We need to understand what that looks like, and then we can now that we know what that looks like. Now we can begin to address it. What right. can we do to increase those numbers? But right. until then, we just no one no one really knew. So so data is incredibly important. I think it also then um, can be used to help our community understand what their what the businesses in the community are doing and, and the impact that that they have or have not right. made. There will be successes, there will be failures. Sure. And we need to we need to understand that and acknowledge it and accept it. But with the idea of learning from our failures and trying to improve again and moving positively along that spectrum. But but to your point, data is critical. And I think that's the the, the new element that 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 biz, the business equity for India initiative is bringing to this to this problem. Um, and, and solving it again using using data. Well, Jeff, we thank you so much for your time coming by the studio and dropping some nuggets of wisdom on us. Again, from a very unique vantage point as one of the long-term uh, executive CEOs in a major utility here in the state, we thank you for your time. Thank you for stopping by the 14th episode of the Freedom Forum. Good to have you. Thank you again. I appreciate it very much. Thanks, Angela. Absolutely. Thank you again to Jeff Harrison, and thanks to you for joining us on this 14th episode of IBJ's The Freedom Forum with Angela B. Freeman. Please come back next month for another conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the central Indiana business community.